Welcome to River Point West End Church. My name is Ryan. So glad that you're here today. I want to greet everybody uh, in Mo City. Hey, if you're there um, at the Mo City location, you should go go see Nathan. He's awesome. If you are at the West End campus, I want you to go see Keaton. I actually got a text from Keaton that says Ashlyn, Riley, and Paige are there for the first time. And hey, I just want to say thank you so much for giving us a few moments of your weekend as we celebrate the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. I know for myself, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it was not for people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his life and his legacy. This weekend, we are continuing a series called uh, This Is Your Year, Seriously. Now, I know it's like we're supposed to say that in church, and I'm, I cannot predict the future whatsoever. And regardless of the scenarios you find yourself in this year, whether they are best case scenarios or worst case scenarios, there is no scenario that you and I will experience this year where we won't need God. And that's why week one, we talked about how Jesus has to be the center of our life. And if this is really going to be our year seriously, not only does Jesus need to be the center of our life, but we're going to have to get along. And I know that we live in a day and age now where we have more things that we could disagree on than ever before. But I believe it's our job as the body of Christ to be reconcilers. We're bridge builders, just like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Today, I want to look at a rivalry that we find in the Old Testament between the house of David and the house of Saul. Now, when you think of the word rivalry, I don't know what comes to your mind. What often comes to my mind is, is you know, Packers, Bears. It's, you know, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, you start thinking of Lakers, Celtics, some of these sports rivalries. But the, the real rivalry that I found in my home growing up was more than, than Yankees Red Sox. It was Walmart versus Target. You're, you're, where are all my Walmart people at? Come on, just touch some sky. Okay, all right, I see you. I see you, I, I see you over there at Mo City. All right, I see you over there at West End. All right, where are all my, my Target people? Target, all the bougie people just raised their hand. Look at that, that's awesome. My wife is a Target woman. I am a Walmart man. That's why we got together to balance out our home. So my son never knows where he's getting a toy from. He never knows. Like, is, is it going to break or is it going to last for a while? We don't know. We'll see, right? Uh, then you think of some other rivalries. We think about, you know, like the green bubbles versus the blue bubbles, the iPhone people versus all the other I don't know what else you would use, but those people, you're great. Jesus loves you, okay? Um, you know, but you think about like some of these rivalries, but when, when we look at the house of David versus the house of Saul, this is not a game. People lost their lives over this rivalry, all because Saul was chasing David and basically his whole reign. He wasted most of his authority and time as king trying to destroy the next king. And in fact, here's what scripture tells us about the war between the house of Saul and the house of David. It says it lasted a, a long time. And at, at one point in, in this war, Saul actually dies. He actually falls on his own spear. And so what scripture tells us is that David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Saul's dead, but his, his son's left. He's got some people in line that can kind of step up. But, but what we find is that 
David's house is, is just getting stronger and stronger. He's getting more land. He's getting more money. He's getting a stronger military. And, and, and in fact, I love that in most of our Bibles, 2 Samuel 8 is simply titled David's Victories. It's his resume. It's his Instagram. It's his highlight reel. It's just victory after victory after victory after victory. And in the, in the military prime of David's life, we find this scripture. It says, it says, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anybody left in the house of Saul for me to show kindness to? Today, I want to give you, I want to give you three things, three things that I think can help us with our relationships this year, three things that I think If we were to practice these things, man, I think we'd find ourselves building bridges with people that think differently than us, believe differently than us. I think it changes the world when we do these types of things. You see, for the house of David, he's sitting there and he's going, man, is there anybody left in in the house of Saul that I could show kindness to? To which everyone in the house of David would have gone, what? Are you serious? Like left in the house, so you realize that was your biggest rival, right? He goes, no, it was your biggest rival. In fact, um, Scripture tells us at the end of 1 Samuel that Saul fell on his own, his own spear to kill himself, but he didn't fully die. And a man came by and saw that Saul wasn't dead, and Saul asked him to finish the job, and the guy was like, okay, and he does it. He goes to David and goes, hey, David, guess what? Saul's dead. David goes into mourning. He goes, no, not Saul. Now, this guy thought he was going to get a reward. Like, oh, yeah, I I get to tell you your rival's dead. And he goes, how do you know he died? He goes, well, I finished the job. He asked me to. And he said, you just touched God's anointed. And he ordered his men to kill that guy. I mean, for David, he's going, hey, here's the deal. As much as Saul was trying to kill me, I wanted him to turn his heart to God. I didn't want him to die, but you just crossed the line. You touched God's anointed. He goes, hey, as for me and my house, man, we're going to show kindness to people. I mean, it's, it's, there can be this thing that you and I face all the time, every day that we live, where people want us to hate a certain person. And you're like, I don't hate that person. How you gonna make me hate that person? They actually were nice to me. They were mean to you because you were mean to them first. That's y'all's issue. They ain't my issue. Again, you at some point you gotta go, man. In my house, man, I, I think I wanna I wanna show kindness to people. Like sometimes, like we we want bad things to happen to other people. You know, like when you take COVID seriously, right? You know, you got on your mask, you're doing your thing, you're washing your hands, and then you got that one friend that doesn't. They don't even wash. They didn't wash their hands before COVID. They don't do it now. Okay. And they be going to parties on Instagram and you secretly hope they get COVID. You know what I mean? Like you just wish something upon them. Like, I don't want you to die, but man, it'd be great for you to learn. Like, like you have that. Like David's going, I don't want to do that. I, I don't, I don't want to live my life that way. And so the first thing that I want you to do this year is I want you to look for someone to show kindness to. And the key word here is look. This should change how you go back to your home. You should pull in a little bit slower into your neighborhood. You should look to the left and look to the right. And you should be able to go, man, what neighbor could we show 
some kindness to. You might be on a Zoom. You might be on a Microsoft Teams deal this week and you might see 50 squares. I dare you to just go, which one of these squares could I show kindness to? Man, I think it changes everything when we begin to look around our world and keep our head on a swivel. Maybe the next time you go to Target or Walmart, you go with your head on a swivel and you go, is there anybody here that I could show some kindness to? Man, it's a game changer. Story goes on. It says, it says, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba at your service? He replied, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. So Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan now has a son, and, and we find out earlier what happened to him. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. So we've got this disabled boy who's kind of living in, in exile. And David says, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always have a seat at my table. You will always have a seat at my table. The second thing that I want us to do this year, if it's going to be our year seriously, is make some space at your table for someone that doesn't deserve to be there. Can I ask you this question? Is there anybody in your life that you stopped speaking to in the last 365 days? Is there anybody in your family that you just, you know what, I'm done with you. Is there anybody that you canceled in the last six years of your life? Is there somebody at your job you just went, nah, no, nah, nope, no, no more. What I would encourage you to do in 2021 is pray about inviting them back to the table. David is a man going, man, in my house, man, you, I don't care how y'all do things at your house, but hey, at my house, we're actually going to make space at our table for somebody that we don't think should, should be there. The next thing that happens in this story is, is beautiful. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? And then it goes on to say, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my Lord, the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Now we've, we've got a, a boy who looks at himself like he's a dead dog. And David's going, not anymore. I'm going to give you access to the kingdom, and now you're going to eat like a prince. I'm going to change your 
situation for the good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leverage what I have so that you can have more. So the third thing that I want us to think about this year is I want us to leverage whatever access you've been given for the benefit of someone with less access than you. When I think about the word access, now I think about the, the reality that a lot of us have it and we don't even realize what we have. But I want us to get into a frame of mindset where we absolutely leverage the influence that we have at our job for the benefit of those that maybe don't have any influence. When I think about my story, I always trace it back to my upbringing. I grew up in a lower income neighborhood and my parents did everything in their power to get me into a private education uh, across town. So I drove across a bridge uh, every day of, of my adolescent and to go to this private school, to go to this other area of town where I had access to people that I normally wouldn't have. And uh, after two years, uh, around uh, fifth grade, my parents no longer could afford to keep me in that school. So I would just go to the school with the people in my neighborhood, which really wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But my parents went, no, I, 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 I believe that your education needs to be higher if, if I have high hopes for you. So this English teacher at, at my school says, hey, you know what? We love your boys and we, we don't want to see them go. My husband and I, we'll, we'll take care of the bill. We'll take care, we'll take care of their, their tuition. And you know what that did is it gave me access to this guy named Cedric. Cedric was, was a college basketball coach. And he said, hey, man, I want you to come to play at, at my school up in Minnesota. I said, I ain't going up there. It's way too cold. We ain't got time for that. No. And, and I got to pay you as a private school that wasn't giving me a scholarship. I was like, I'd rather get paid to play basketball than to pay you to play basketball. And somehow uh, he convinced me to do that. When I got to that campus, uh, I met the vice president of whatever he did. I don't, know, I don't even know what his job was, but I just loved him. And so uh, we got connected while I was there um, for, for those years. And then he introduced me to my first employer in Dallas. And then he gave me access to a guy named Kent. Kent gave me access to a guy named Stephen. Stephen had me preach at his church. Another guy named Steve heard me preach at Stephen's church, had me come to his church to preach. And he said, hey, I want to give you access and I want to introduce you to a guy named Patrick Kelly. You see, when you look at the behind the scenes of my story, what you find is a bunch of amazing men and women of God that simply said, I'm going to give this guy a chance. I'm going to give this guy access. Yes, I work hard. Yes, I study the Bible a lot. Yes, I love talking. I love microphones. It's what I do. I'm honored to do so. But there's a lot of other people that do the exact same thing that just never got access. They never had the opportunity to meet the people that so graciously gave me access. So you know what that makes me want to do when somebody hits me up and says, hey, can I get a little bit of access to your life? Can I learn what you know? Absolutely. Because I firmly believe that if we've been given a seat at a table, it's not for us. It's for somebody else. So I want you to look in your world and figure out what you already have. I want you to take inventory of what God has already given you and think about, man, is there something that I could leverage for the benefit of somebody that does not have 
what I have, regardless of the color of your skin. You see, right now it's, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, so it's popular to talk about diversity and inclusion. And I've often found that people have three motives for talking about and promoting diversity and inclusion. The first one is to look good. The second is to feel good. But the third motive is to do good. You see, some people want to take photos to say, hey, look, look at us. See, we did it. We had a dream. See, it's. And then some people just feel bad. It's like, man, they're on Twitter. They're watching all this stuff. They're like, ah, man, this bothers me, man. Ah." You know, I just, I feel guilty. Maybe, maybe write a check. Maybe do something. I don't know. But then there's those Ed Vons of the world. Then there's those Patrick Kellys of the world. They just, they just do good because it makes the world a better place. I love Ed's message. Do what you can. Oh, I love it. Because you want to know what? When we all do that, when we all sit before God and say, Lord, what do you want me, what do you want me to do? And we do our part. Oh, man, when we all do that together, it will change the world. Oh, I have so much respect and admiration for the Kellys. They do so much good they would never tell you about. Who, who they are behind this. They're, they're always, just, they're, just, they're just doing stuff. And they don't need to post about it. It's not because they feel bad. It's who they are. That's why I love River Point Church. That's why I love West End Church. We're dedicated to a community that just needs our help. And dare I say, needs our Jesus. And guess what? We've been given access to the king. And I hope and pray that what we do here together, that we introduce so many people to their king. And I think what we do here and now is so beautiful. And we're playing our part in the kingdom So in summary, I've got three questions I want you to think about this week. Maybe talk about it over dinner. The first thing is this, is who can you show kindness to this week? This is a great dinner conversation. This is a great lunch conversation. This is great if you're a student and you're trying to figure out, well, I don't like this person. This one's a bully. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Think about somebody you could show kindness to. I know you got that boss. You can't stand great. Go show kindness to him anyways. Kill him with kindness. You want a different year? You want 2021 to be your year seriously, regardless of the scenarios? Show kindness to somebody that you don't think you should. The second question I want us to think about is, is there anybody I need to invite back to the table? Is there anybody in your life you stopped speaking to that maybe you need to just send a quick text message to say, this is silly. It's interesting, whenever I talk to family members that haven't spoke to other family members in over a decade, and I ask them what broke the relationship, some of them can't even remember. Or the ones that can remember, they bring it up, and as they're telling it to me out loud, they realize how small it really was. Just snowball. What if 2021 was the year you let it go? I really think this could be your year, seriously. And the third question I want you to wrestle with is, What access have I been given and how can I leverage that for somebody else? 
whether you're a manager or not. Maybe you just have influence. Maybe when you walk in a room, everybody just listens to you. Imagine if you decided to take that access and point out the person who's never heard, who's never seen, who's undervalued. What if you leveraged whatever influence and access God's given you for the benefit of somebody else? Can you imagine if we all did that? That's what I want you to think about today. That's what I want you to think about this week. And my hope and prayer is that we would be people that carry God's heart like David. <laughs> that we're walking around the world going, man, who could we, who could we show God's kindness to? You imagine if we did that? I think if you and I did that, we'd change the world. God, I thank you so much for River Point and West End. Each and every person listening to this message. God, I, I thank you for the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I pray, God, that we would be bridge builders, that we would be intentionally kind. It's not random acts of kindness, God. I pray that we would be so intentional about our acts of kindness, that we would be looking in our neighborhoods, our schools, and our jobs to show kindness to people. God, I pray that we would make some space for people at our table, God, and I pray that you would help us give access to those that don't have any. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said. Amen, amen, amen.